Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast. As we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Romans 1, 18 through 23 this morning says, Wrath breaking forth every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his, his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the, vis, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans, idols, made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word, and we thank you for your purpose and direction that comes through it. We ask this morning, God, that you give us guidance, we give, you give us direction, God, so that we can walk out into the world this week and not only be confident in our relationship with you, but yet, as Caitlin said this morning, shine that light so others will be drawn and will known about you. Because yet, if we say we love you, that is our job. It doesn't start with us. We show and display it to others. So we ask that your word this morning teaches us, your spirit reveals to us, you know, that process of perfection that leads us into an obedient walk with you. We ask all these things in your son's name. We give you honor and glory. Amen. So welcome this morning. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us this morning, joining us to worship. And we're in the second part of the reality of obedience. Uh, last week, uh, we started with Job. God has established, defined the correct and only form of wisdom. Where wisdom truly comes from, Job tells, tells us, is that God has took all these things into consideration, and there's only one form of true wisdom. Well, Paul, this morning, in Romans, the first chapter, the very first chapter of Romans, Paul was going to introduce himself to the Romans, and about halfway through it, he breaks into the wrath of God. Well, Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Or if we go back one more, he says he, had made, he has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived. For seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then this leaves everyone without excuse. So Paul tells us we, we have no excuse to acknowledge God because it's something that each inside each and every one of us because we are his creation and and even more so that Paul's just saying just look around just look around the world around us now obviously by reading this just the those two verses this morning we can easily tell who wrote this this is definitely Paul's style 
And, but more importantly, as we're going to look at in just a few minutes, Paul, Paul is talking about a character. If, if we go to Exodus last week, I know we looked at 19th and the 20th chapter, and we're, and we're going to go back to the 20th chapter this morning. But this goes beyond when, when, when we talk about a word and we say wrath. The word, another word that comes to mind probably to complement wrath would be anger probably, right? You know, and when we read this at first read, even if we're Christians, it's, it's, it's like, wait a minute. Either there's, there's more to this story, even though we know it's true. But when we begin to define a subject like wrath or a subject like justice, and if we're familiar with Romans or if you've even read Romans just one time, we understand that, that those words are going to come up a lot. You know, Paul is explaining to the Romans what he believes, who he is. He wants to go to Rome. He says, I've, I've been to all these places. And, you know, he, wrote, he writes Ephesians when he's in Rome. But Paul's desire is to go to the other end of the world. He wants to go to Rome. He's been trying. Every time he would go, the Lord would send him in another direction. Or what? He shipwrecked, beaten. You know, there was a, thrown into prison. You know, so Paul wants to tell the Romans who he is before he gets to the Romans. But when we start in the first chapter of Romans this morning, and Paul does this whole section on wrath. Well, if we go back to Exodus from, from last week, when God is giving his people the Ten Commandments, he's speaking to Moses. He says, tell them that, you know, not only to love the Lord thy God, but there are things that we can do to show him that we love him. Because if we understand what else Paul tells us in Romans about how we have been declared righteous and there's nothing we can do on our part, then how in the world can we tell a God that has given us everything we have nothing to offer him that we love him? Obedience. Sacrifice, perfect service, walking in his perfect will for our life. And what Paul is saying this morning, it's going to kind of bring us back to Exodus a little bit when God's speaking to Moses. And God tells them, have no other gods before me. Do not worship an idol, any form, carved. And, in that, and if we go to Romans, for only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the mortal God to worship the fading image of other humans. Idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. So we found out a few things here about God's purpose, God's existence, God's characters. Remember, if we go back to John from last week, and Caitlin was talking about we're supposed to let our light shine. Matthew, the fifth chapter this morning. Well, if we understand what they're saying, there's a difference between light and darkness. And John tells us that it's more just like when Caitlin read Matthew's, Matthew this morning. It's more than just professing that we are a Christian. It's more than we're... Because, see, if we truly love God, it's not just, oh, God, I love you. There's an action. There's a walk. John tells us in 1 John, the second, the second chapter, that there's a characteristic. We display, we display qualities. Well, if we understand what Paul goes on to say, it should be, it should be our nature. Even though sometimes we, we may have to fight the flesh because it is the flesh, there must be a moment of surrender because we understand what God has given us and what is required for us. So, if we go to Exodus and God says that he punishes the generations, and I know we looked at that last week, but yet his love is unfaithful to the ones that turn to him, 
then there must be a second part to the beginning of Romans also, right? And yes, there is, and we're going to get to that in just a minute because, because Paul does a really good job of explaining us and how we fit into this plan that God has, has molded. Well, he's going to use potter and clay and how he has molded and shaped either one of our lives, and who are we to question? Because if we love God and we say we have faith, our faith leads us into obedience, correct? But it's even more so than that, because if, 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 if we look at Exodus and we tie it in with John and we tie it in with Romans, a lot of these things, even though the wording may be a little bit different, we're going to understand that what, when, when God spoke to Moses, giving him the Ten Commandments, and he tells him a harsh word, it sounds just like wrath that Paul would use when he says, you know, I'm a God that will punish generations up to three or four but yet my love is unfailing. What we're, what we're talking about really is a characteristic of God. And what Paul is referencing this morning, with wrath, with justice, he's, he, he is referencing a characteristic of God. And while at a first read, we may look at a God that has given us salvation, given us everything, given us a new life, a new walk, a new purpose, you know, a reason to follow in his perfect will, because we understand that at a moment in our life, we were foolish and we needed wisdom. And when we begin to lead, lean on his understanding, lean on his wisdom, listen to our Father, we begin to succeed. Not that there's not going to be hiccups sometimes, but yet we understand, we see that progression like we talked about last week through our life where God has made preparation for his children to succeed. That's what, he, that's what he told Moses before he gave him the Ten Commandments. What did he say? He said, for I'm the Lord you God, I have brought you out of the land of Egypt. I have delivered you. And see, when we see that progression, no different than, as Paul says in Romans, when, when he writes about the law, is a perfect law given by a perfect God. And Paul continually reminds the Jews, this is a perfect law that you cannot keep. That's why Christ has come. We're going to look, and I'll tell you what, let's read verse 21 and 22 from Romans this morning from the home in a different translation before we go to Exodus. It says, for they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So the issue is, is that we are created in his image. If we say we have faith, we believe, there, there, there should be worship. There should be obedience. There should be reverence. You know, if we truly love God, then we should show him. The knowledge of God, not only, well, if we know that we are created, he is our creator. If we have faith, then we believe that he is our father. He made, controlled, and everything. Well, this knowledge, that knowledge is inside of us. And the thing is, if we truly believe that, then the knowledge should be shown through us. That light, it should not be placed under a basket. It should be put high so it can shine and people can see. Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6 from last week. We're going all the way back, and God leads his people out and gives them the Ten Commandments. This is what he tells them. You must not bow down to idols or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sins to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, if we look at that promise, 
if we look at that progression, if we know that in the Old Testament we can see God making preparation to send his son, it's a progression of salvation, salvation history. Because when we get to Matthew, something changes. There's a story. You know, God, God's son is coming. He's being born. Well, actually, before that, we hear about John the Baptist. So we know something has happened. What has been prophesied, Zacharias, it's time to go into the Holy of Holies. And the angel shows up. And he was like, do you know how old I am? Sounds kind of a lot like Moses. You know, Almighty God shows up. But regardless, we read it, we know something different is changing. What had, The anticipation has come to a head, and something's about to happen. You know, God's words have been fulfilled. Well, if we begin to look at the character of God, whether in Exodus or in Romans, we begin to deal with words, and I think it's, it's important that we clarify words like wrath, justice. When we declare, you know, when, when we talk about punishment, because in each and every one of our lives this morning, each and every one of our walks with God, you know, we view God as a loving God. And He is a loving God. You know, we, we understand that we have been given salvation. We've been given hope. We've been given peace. See, we've experienced these things in our life that the Bible speaks about. You know, we, we, we experience that progression. We see where whether we're 20 or either we're 60 or whether we're 80, you know, God has had his hand in our life, and he has made preparation. He has followed us. He has given us purpose. He has given us direction. God has put people in our paths to lead us. Even when we didn't know any better, it is safe to say, because we've experienced it, God has placed people in our path and in our walk that will lead us to understand, and like the Bible says. Why? Because he loves us. Well, when words this morning, like wrath and justice, come into the picture for us, we begin to view things a little bit different because when we, when we speak about anger, you know, we, we only relate to one form of anger. You know, anger is something that upsets us, Right? And when we, when, we view, and, and when we view who God is and leave his complete character out of that word, it's no different than reading Exodus 20 and viewing our Father, Almighty God, incorrectly. Because, see, if it was just about wrath and anger, and if it was about the wrath and the anger that we thought it was about, why in the world now do, do we have direct communication with the Father? See, it's the way that we view these things. It's the way that is through the earthly mindset, through the natural realm, instead of the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm, as, as the Passion translates it. You know, when we begin to view these things, we begin, and we begin to view wrath and justice through an earthly perspective, we never get the whole story. Because, see, from our mindset, if someone really loves us, And they stab us in the back. How do we react to that? See, God, all the way in Exodus, brings his children out. And we're going to look at this a little bit later because we all know what happens after he gives his people the Ten Commandments, right? Moses stays on the mountain a little bit too long. The people get worried. They melt down all their jewelry and they build a golden calf. See, and it is important when we speak about wrath and 
use wrath and justice and an almighty, almighty powerful God, the one and true and only God. And, and we're going to use foolish and wise in with that. We need to understand wrath from the perspective of a holy God. Because, see, if we look at a holy God, how else would his reaction be to sin? And we also need to understand that Paul is not done with wrath here. We also, because there's a progression in salvation history. Paul tells the Ephesians, we've, I've said it a bunch of times, look, Jesus has chosen this particular time for you to know about his son. You know, and if we go to Exodus, Jesus just doesn't stop and says, punish into generations because there's no excuse. Because what, what, what God tells Moses, Paul tells the Romans and tells us this morning, you know, that knowledge is inside of us. We know that we came from somewhere. You know, and see, the thing is, is that when we finally begin to listen to God, when we finally let God begin to lead us and we turn around and look back, it's really easy to see. Prior to that, it's kind of difficult to explain. You know, we might not, we might not have fully surrendered, you know. But either way, whether we're in Exodus, whether we're in Romans, whether we're in John, I know we keep going back to that, but what I, I want, if we're talking about a character, the characteristics of God, then, and how he responds to wrath, I want to show you this morning that there is a consistency. See, God has, sin has to anger God. If he is the one that gave us our sacrifice, if he is the one that sent his son so that we may go before the Father, how else would he react to sin? It has to anger him. But see, and if we, underst if, if we understand mercy and grace this morning, we need to understand this to, to fully understand what we've been given. What God, really, what God really did for us. What God really did for his people. What Paul was writing about this morning. When we, when we begin to talk about faithfulness, see, if, if we don't understand the character of God, then, then we could never appreciate our salvation because... For God to be angered, a truly holy God who has never sinned would send a son, the second part of the Trinity, to take on human form and die for our sins. God did all this when he didn't need to do it. And it's not even that. God did all this not for him. He did this for us. Why? God turned this. If we understand what happened when Jesus was on the cross, what does the Bible say? He turned his back on his son because he could not look on sin. That's exactly what the Bible says. So you want to talk about a characteristic. No. See, when we're going to put love in a context this morning, love is kind of like us trying to describe anger, isn't it? We looked at that a couple weeks ago. Because for a God who can't even look upon sin, to send his only son for each and every one of us this morning, it's kind of hard to fathom that, that, that characteristic. Because, but what Paul's saying is, look, and what we're looking at in Exodus also throughout the whole Bible. See, we have no excuse, though, because, see, those qualities are in us. But, see, the issue is it is up to us to display them qualities. The issue is it is up to us to be obedient. See, it's not, it's, it's not so many times, I think, in a walk with God is that we get caught up on certain things. My dad's been in John and he talked about how Jesus healed the Roman officer's son. If we go to Luke, 
Luke tells the extended part of that story. But it's not that it's not that this guy just told Jesus that he believed he could do it. No, he knew he was unworthy. And if we, if, we, if we go to Luke, he tells us that he dispatched two prominent religious men to go and find Jesus because he was not worthy, he was not a holy man. But, it's, but yet it still goes beyond that because Luke is not done. Luke goes on to say that the man tells Jesus, and we, we're familiar with the story. He says, you know, you, you, don't, you don't even have to come to faith. No, but see, it's more than that. He recognized something. Because if we go to Luke, the man tells Jesus, he says, I too have men under authority to me. And I have seen the authority operating through you. And we say, well, you know, this guy was just a leader. He needed something from Jesus. No, because see, if we understand what Luke writes this morning, Jesus stops. And all these people, now keep in mind this morning, this guy, yes, he probably wasn't where he needs to be. But we need to understand who was following Jesus too. Jesus turned around and addresses the crowd. And what does Jesus tell the people that is addressing the crowd? You need to take note of this. You need to pay attention to this. You need to, you know, you need to be aware of this. You need to learn something from this guy. And the recognition of who I truly am. And what I'm saying is this morning, Jesus gives us a clear picture of the people who just follow Jesus. There's nothing wrong with following Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. But he also tells us what happens if we get caught up in the natural realm or if we get caught up in the characteristics that we think that God should display. You know, it's, it's, or the people, well, what did the religious leader keep telling Jesus? How much longer are you going to keep, are, are you going to keep us in suspense? Why don't you give us a sign? Jesus is like, why don't you just look around? You know, and, and, and if we understand also, we looked at last week what, what Exodus 19 and 20 means, you know, there should be a reverence, there should be a respect before we come to Almighty God. We just don't come to church because it's in our agenda. We just don't come to church because, you know, church sometimes should be a little bit uncomfortable because the Spirit is working that process in our life. I get what I give twice, so I get it double, so that must mean I need it. You know, last night and this morning. You know, and, and, what, and what God tells us is this morning, we're all in the same boat. We're all equal. God does not show any favoritism. That's what Paul tells us. The Lord does not show any favoritism. We're all in the same boat. Well, what's so awesome is, about the whole story is, is that God does not show favoritism. He loves each and every one of us. He did this for each and every one of us. Jesus says, let me tell you the story about the good shepherd to put this into perspective. You know, but the problem is, if we get caught up in the natural realm we miss the full character of who God truly is. And that's why when we begin to, dis, you know, to describe words like wrath and anger, if we, if, if, we, 
if we take them out of the complete context and character of who God is, we're never going to get the relationship that he has, he has destined for each and every one of us. And if we never notice the progression that, that has come, the preparation, we're going to understand that there's more to wrath than just a, an emotion. There's more to wrath than just saying, well, you know what? I know God is holy, and I'm never going to be good enough. Because Paul says, you know what? You really don't have an excuse. That's not true anymore. You know, you need to understand fully why. You need to understand what wrath really is this morning. So, you know, that progression in our own life and our walk with Christ through his plan and his purpose for each and every one of us this morning. So Paul tells us that we can either be wise or we can be foolish. Light and darkness, good and evil. You know, there's always a comparison. You know, what wisdom do we follow? Do we follow? Paul says if we follow the wrong kind of wisdom and we're not obedient, we do not have that relationship with Christ. At first, we may think we are wise, but what does he say? We wind up, we turn out to be fools. You know, so if we follow that wisdom, the direction of our Heavenly Father, we can place confidence in that. Not just because the most righteous man in the world told us that God established it. Now, obviously, if we look through the Bible, we looked at that last week. King after God's own heart. His son, the wisest man, Job. Yes, we, yeah. There's a bunch of people that speak about the wisdom of God. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. When we understand, we can understand that the characteristic of God is another thing that we can place our faith in, place our relationship in. Why do we love God? Because he is unchanging. We look through the whole Bible in the whole Bible, not one time does con- contradicts who our Father truly is. It is written in complete perfection. Why? Because God is perfect. It never contradicts itself. It already proves itself right. Why? Because it's His holy word. And because God is holy. It also tells us is, is that if we understand who He truly is, that's important and that's how we are offered a relationship. So if we say we have a relationship with God, but we don't understand who our Father is, there's some miscommunication along the lines. So we need to be familiar with certain words. And not even that. How do you say you have a relationship with somebody? You know, and you don't even know the characteristics of them. You know, and and see, this is supposed to be a deep relationship. If we understand... You know, we look through the Bible and we see certain things like intimacy. We go to the Songs of Solomon. Or we go to holiness. Paul does a good job, or Hebrews. Or if we understand who Almighty God is and we go to Exodus, God brings them out. And it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart to prove his point. He controls people. Paul's going to go on to that in Romans the ninth chapter this morning and, and explain that to us. But, but what we begin to see is this morning, when we begin to look at a characteristic of Almighty God, how in the world are you going to have a relationship with him if, if we don't understand? Now, yes, there, are, there is a progression in our, in our relationship. But look, what I'm saying is we need to be familiar with a few things if we say we love him. Look, we, we've been given an opportunity. Paul tells us that even though the knowledge is within us and we have no excuse, it goes beyond that. You know, we, we have direct access now. We have been given a gift out of his love, understanding those characteristics that we never deserved. So understanding that this morning, just look at what's been given with us instead of wrath. See, 
what could have happened. Look what did happen. See, when someone is justified to go one way, when someone is justified just to clean the slate, when someone creates someone, puts a piece of them in it, so they will always be reminded of who their father is, builds them a beautiful garden where they never have to do anything. Water comes up from the ground. They don't have to work. See, it's kind of hard for us to, you know, to keep that in mind this morning because each and every one of us work every day. But I'm just saying, keep that in perspective this morning in, in, in what happens. Sin. Sin comes in. They're deceived. What does Paul says? Thinking that they were wise, they turned out to be fools. Because they thought, they thought they understood. They thought they had the right direction. You see, the, you see, that's the problem. When we begin to, when we begin to view things not spiritually, there's no way that the spirit is 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 not in this. This this only works with him. You know, that's why there's, that's why there's a, th a third, third part to the Trinity. That's why when we go all the way back to Genesis and God was doing his work of creation, he hovered over the face of the water. That's why a wind began to blow when the, when the, when the ark rested and the waters began to recede. See, he's always been there. And if he's always, there's a characteristic. He's always been there. Father, Son, Spirit, all three working together in unity, perfect unity. So, if we want to understand the correct perspective, the correct characteristic of how we are supposed to be leaded, guided, wisdom, there's only one way. We can find it from the very, very front to the very beginning, the front to the end of the Bible. You know, we talk about a relationship. We go all the way to Revelations. Who, who, who is Christ coming back for? That progression in salvation. He, he is never going to leave us or forsake us. Jesus even told his disciples. And see, the, the deal is when, when Jesus, his time here on earth, we say, God, I understand everything you're telling me. I'm just ready to go. Let's just go do this. We understand that. We understand that he has given us a perfect spirit straight from him to give us the words. But sometimes we're like, I got it, God. We're good. Well, the issue with that is, it's when we look at the disciples and we get to the end of Luke and beginning of Acts. Or when Jesus is about to be betrayed and, and he tells them, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I love you. I will be with you always. I have to go away. And what happens? They start freaking out. They don't know what's going to happen. They're like, what do you mean? Where are you going? How do we even supposed to know where you're going? And Jesus was like, you're my closest, you're my closest followers. You've, you've left everything. And what I'm telling you this, is, what I'm telling you this morning is that this is why it's so, when we talk about wisdom and we talk about foolish, when we talk about, it's not that we don't believe in God. It's not that we don't trust in God. It's that it is easy to take for granted that characteristic. It's easy for us to say, you know what, God, I love you, and I know you got my back. But what God is telling us this morning is, see, we can't rationalize what he wants to do with each and every one of our lives. And see, that's the issue. See, the disciples at the time when Jesus was leaving, 
They were hurt. They didn't know what to do. Oh, the hour has come. Well, what does that mean for us? You're going to leave? You're the son of God. There's not going to be any earthly kingdom set up? I thought you were all powerful when you sent were straight from God. I've seen all these miracles. Jesus is like, no, you still don't get it. And see, that's the issue. And we think that just because now he has sent his spirit and he has given us all these promises that we're going to do these great things, we're all good. No, it doesn't matter. It still works the same way. There has to be obedience and love. See, my father made the statement, and it is completely true, about Jesus' power. When did he use it and it was not effective? Never. You want to know why? What did he tell everybody? I'm about my father's will. And what else was he? He was completely obedient, even unto death. See, that's the issue right there. The issue is, how easy is it to step out of the Father's will? It's not that we don't love him. It's not that we don't have a relationship. Genesis, the serpent was more cunning than any of the beast. See, he, and, and see the thing is, he knows. If, if, if you know that God has placed an anointing, if God has placed a specific purpose on your life, there's going to be deception. He doesn't want you to succeed. He showed up in the garden because God, God had created something beautiful. God had created an intimacy like none other. He had created a peace like none other that we still can't even relate to today. We don't even know what true shalom is. We're going to find out one day if we can keep it on the straight and narrow by his grace and mercy. But what I'm saying is, we can't truly relate to that right now. Guess who showed up and tried and wrecked it? And then how do we explain it? God, this woman that you, that, that you... Adam had just written what an awesome thing that God had done for him. Then he's like, God, this woman that you made for me, look what she done. Now, we just did marriage... Paul says, I know it's a mystery that God is, is revealing about the church and all that. But see, the thing is this morning, if we go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to go this morning, but let's go to 1 John 2, 7 through 8. I want to finish that up because we started it last week. It says, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but, you, but an old one that you have had from the beginning. You've already heard it. It's consistent. Yet in a sense... Verse 8, it is a new commandment, and it, has, and it is the truth. It's made manifest both in Christ and in you because the darkness is disappearing and what the true light is already blazing. So we're going to read Paul's version after we go to Ephesians this morning. But John says, in a sense, it is a new commandment. You're familiar with the old one. You're familiar with the first and second commandments. You know, when we talk about um, children obeying your parents because this is the first commandment that there's a promise, a promise attached to. Well, the important thing to realize is, is that in order for that to be done correctly, there are other commandments ahead of that. The first and two must be followed in order for it to be correct because in all his wisdom, Paul goes on to say, go on to say that a father should deal with his child with this, uh, on the specific level of maturity. So see, even as fathers, we have to have guidance. Lord, we need guidance. Kids, if, even if your kids are grown, you know what it's like raising kids, right? Yeah, 
You love them to death. But you know the saying, boys will be boys? Yeah, girls will be girls too, I promise you. Look, it, it, but I'm just saying. See, we can look at that five, six, seven-year-old. We can look at that teenager. And what I'm saying is, let's, let's, let's bring that back around spiritually this morning. You know, because see, when you look at the characteristics of God and we go to Exodus or we go to Romans, see, God, God doesn't raise spiritual brats. See, that's the thing. See, if, if, if we talk about true love and we talk about character of God and we talk about God has a purpose and a plan for our life, what he does for us when we are disciplined, what he does for us, he does it out of love. There, there has to be a recognition. And see, if, if God just wanted to throw a bunch of spiritual brats out there and just let them run around and do whatever they want to, now, that's, see, that's, that's not a characteristic of God. So, see, when we pray or when we look at how Jesus operated, there was a correct operation out of obedience. There was, there was, when we say we have faith, you know, when we say, well, God, he hurt my feelings. Yeah, spiritual maturity. No, but I, what I'm saying is Jesus Christ was perfect. He says, Father, if you want me to come and die, I trust in your plan. I've been with you ever since the beginning of creation. I have, I have, I have been there, helped you. I have watched them fail from lack of obedience. But I trust in your plan. We can't even make it out of church Sunday morning and go get something to eat. We're like, Lord, I'm trusting your plan. Lord, I'm trusting your plan. Not nah, his son drug a cross. See, we need to put this in the correct concept, I think, this morning. Because when we say, well, I don't know if I really like wrath to describe God. Because we can't relate to it. Nah. See, what Paul is going to say in 9, he's going to talk about mercy. We were vessels that were destined for what? For destruction. Why can we not relate to destruction because of love or mercy? Not because his son put a cross on his shoulder after being beaten repeatedly and drug it to the point where he couldn't tote it anymore and someone had to help him. And when he got to the end of it, they nailed him on it and they stood it up. And people watched him die, one of the most gruesome deaths that the Romans took part in. Why? That's love. That's love because he could have left. At any point, he could have said, Father, I'm done. And you say, well, you know, that's just, that's a repulsive way to tell the story. Well, the problem is when you view that as repulsive, that's why you don't get it. That's why you're still running around like a spiritual brat trying to identify to, well, you know, I don't like to use the word wrath. God didn't either. That's why his son went through that whole process. And the fact is, and the issue is, is when we say, you know what, I got the spirit now, I'm good to go. We can do whatever we want to. See, so many times, just like the Roman guard, just like the Roman guard at the foot of the cross, he had that moment in his life when he was like, oh, my gosh. They realized what they had done. When so many people who had been waiting in expectation did not even understand the character of the one who was supposed to come. But what God is saying 
this morning, if you understand salvation, if you understand love, if you understand who was supposed to come, if you understand the characteristics of who the Father is, how else would he have come? Luke, the seventh chapter, what does Jesus go on after, after he, he, he heals the son, he raises the dead? John the Baptist dispatches some disciples out because he wants to know if, 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 if the Messiah has truly come. Jesus doesn't even ask him. He's like, you know what? I love my boy. He starts around and, turns, and starts healing people. And they were like, whoa, he's here. He's like, no, nah, I'll prove it to you. John's my boy. And that, he goes on and tells him that. Out of all born to women... He is the greatest, but you know what else he goes on to say? Even greater works. What does it take? It takes a recognition of the character. It takes the recognition of that progression in our life. Jesus said, no, you don't get it. He tells his disciples the same thing. He says, well, Lord, how are we supposed to? When they couldn't even relate, what does he tell them? He said, just look at the works. You can see them. You can relate to them. Until we get the spiritual to catch up with the characteristic, Jesus said, just look at the progression. Just look at where you've got from A to B this morning. Because I've been in it. Now the story changes. The end of Luke, the beginning of Acts, when they're obedient and they wait for the Spirit and, and he starts to operate. Big time. Verse 19 from Romans, in reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. All right, a couple verses. Exodus 20, 18 through 20. Let's go all the way back. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us or we will die. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and not see. No, you need to understand love. You need to understand a characteristic. And you need to understand that this is for your own good. We know what happens after that, right? We got tired of waiting on God. Let's go to Ephesians 6, 8 and 9. Paul leaves, uh, fathers raising their children. He says, you know what? This just doesn't need to be inside the home. This needs to be broadcast. This needs to be, if you say you love God and you say you serve God, you understand the characteristics and you say that you're led by the Spirit, you need to display Him everywhere. You need to be a correct example. It says, be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by the Lord. Whether you are an employee or an employer, it doesn't matter if you're in charge or if you're at the very bottom. Because, see, the problem is, if both of them worked in unison, you would have the perfect environment. The problem is, you don't have the perfect environment. is because, just like spiritual brats, we think like we've been, we, should, we should be offered something. We have been offered something. We just ain't got exactly what it was that we offered. That's why we're still having issues, I promise you. Go back to Exodus. God sat down. It was evident. Thunder, lightning, smoke. They're like, oh my gosh, God. Oh my gosh. You know, they were. If you read the Bible, that's what happened. They were scared to death. Moses, you talked to him. You know what Moses told God when he talked to him? He came back and told Moses again. He said, Moses, remind them. You know what Moses told him? 
God, you know how they are. They're going to try to break that barricade, and you're going to kill them. Go back to 19. See, we're getting the good characteristics, right, of when what happens, when we, we, we want to be a little bratty, and we're not led correctly. We just, we just we got, we got a really good way of, of understanding something that's completely wrong. Let's go to Romans this morning as we're finishing up. Romans chapter 9, 20, 24. Paul does an awesome job with this. Of course he does. He's Paul, but he's going to put wrath and justice in perspective this morning. I don't think anybody can do it any better than him. I'm just going to be honest with you. It says, but what do you think you are But what do you think? You're to second guess God? How could a human being molded out of clay say to the one that molded him, why in the world did you make me this way? Or are you denying the right of the potter to make out of clay whatever he wants? Doesn't the potter have the right to make the same lump of clay an elegant base or an ordinary pot? And in the same way, although God has every right to unleash his anger and demonstrate his power, yet he is extremely patient with those who deserve wrath. Vessels prepared for destruction. And doesn't he also have the right to release the revelation of the wealth of his glory to his vessels of mercy whom God prepared beforehand to receive his glory? Even for us, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, we are, we are those he has called to experience his glory. What Paul is saying is you need to recognize See, it doesn't matter if we're five. It doesn't matter if we're 50. Tuesday night, my nephew is awesome at riding a hoverboard. He's been practicing for a year, and he's running around 10 miles an hour, spinning around, riding backwards. You know, he's going 10 miles an hour, and I'm going like one mile an hour on this thing. See, I was being wise, because if you've ever hit the concrete before, that's a lesson in wisdom, right? You know what it feels like. You know, and see, probably the most pathetic thing about this whole story is, is that while I'm, I'm behaving myself, being responsible, he rides up beside me and he's like, look, Uncle John, look, he can do it. He can ride it. And you know what? I don't know what was more pathetic that I felt really good that he told me that. I felt like I was an accomplishing something, you know. Y'all laugh. That just makes me a good uncle. I participated with my nephew. But anyways, as, as the night went on, he became, he started riding faster and faster and going around in circles, going around in circles, going around in circles. Well, you know what happened? One time, that tire hit something, and he flew off. And look, this was one motion. One motion, as soon as he landed, he was up just like that. Why? Because he was expecting it, right? You know that if you ride that enough times, he knows from experience that he has failed, he's been scraped, he has been hurt. The same reason why I was going one mile an hour and thought I was accomplishing something, because I knew what that concrete figured out. He knew that he was taking a risk, that he was going to get skin all to pieces if he did that. So he was prepared. Well, look, if we go back to Romans this morning and we understand, see, the characteristics, the realization the progression in our life, are you to deny the right of the potter to make out of clay whatever he wants? See, it ain't up to us. See, we view this and we say, God, well, I'm just ordinary. Well, let me explain something to you. If, how would you describe ordinary when a God has done... See, 
We're being bratty again. How would you describe ordinary for a God to send his only son just for you? You can say, well, it goes back to salvation. You, you're daggone right. It always goes back to salvation because without salvation, none of us will be here. You want to talk about a characteristic of God holy? What does Paul say about wrath? And doesn't he also have the right to release the revelation of the wealth of his glory to his vessels of mercy? They're vessels of mercy now. Because, see, without all this, what did he say? Yet he is extremely patient with those who deserve wrath, vessels prepared for destruction. See, that's where we were headed. Now it just changed. Why? Because the Creator had a plan. The Creator had a plan from the very beginning. Job said he looked around, he examined wisdom. He established wisdom. It's the correct type of wisdom. He knew what to do. And he doesn't have, and doesn't he also have the right to release the revelation of his wealth, of his glory to his vessels of mercy? It doesn't just stop there. Paul goes on, it says, whom God prepared when? Beforehand. To receive his glory. So this has always been the plan. Paul's saying, you need to understand the, the characteristics and you need to understand when you look at wrath. You don't need to look at it from how we want to view wrath. You need to look at it from a holy perspective because when you begin to view things spiritually in what God has planned for each and every one of us, he left no stone unturned beforehand. Vessels that, were, that should have, vessels that were destined for destruction now have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to show him love, to enter into a relationship, to establish that bond so that we can experience glory. That's, the, that's what Paul says. Paul says the preparation has already been made. This is the first in the ninth, through the ninth chapter of Romans. It doesn't matter if we're Jew, he says. It doesn't matter if we're Gentile. Jesus Christ did what the law could never do because we're not perfect people. Just like in Exodus, when God was giving his people the law, he tells us, you, there needs to be a realization. Moses says, he is doing this for your own benefit. He is doing this so you will fear him, respect him, and not be led to sin. Paul says, he gave you the law that you couldn't keep to show that you needed Christ. For, because what you couldn't accomplish, Christ has accomplished for you. So we can be led, we can enter into that relationship when we hear about the smoke and the lightning and the people are scared to death. They got one part of it right. He was the almighty God. What we need to understand is, it's what Paul is saying now. The potter that molded us has made preparation so that we can have a direct relationship to him. Paul says even when we don't know what to pray, our prayers are still making third part of the trinity see all this works perfectly there's there's no excuse there doesn't you don't need a backup plan when you when you've had the correct plan ever since the creation of time and we can look through the bible and read paul goes on after this and he quotes hosea he's going to give you all the old testament and then isaiah he's going to give you all the the old testament references we need 
Paul says that the characteristic of this is flawless. It's been proven time and time again. It is not failing. He said the reason he never fails you, we fail him when we don't want to listen. And the vessels that were headed for destruction, vessels that should have been prepared for destruction. I mean, how, how else can you say it? God creates something, and he tells us, here's rules, follow these, and you'll be all right. Well, he knew we couldn't follow the rules, but he gave us the rules so that we would realize that we need him. What he, he just said next is all this was designed for us. All this was designed so that we would not sin and we would know that we needed him. That's how much he loved us. He went through a lot of preparation when he could have just sat on the throne. But isn't that what Jesus told his disciples? Now, you don't understand how the kingdom works. He doesn't lord himself above you and dilute your mind to thinking that he loves you by doing this. No, he came for you. He was, the be- he was the greatest servant there ever was. He did all these things for you. Now you must go do them in obedience for others. It's all about servanthood. You know, when we understand what we've been given, instead of destruction, we can participate in glory. That's when things begin to change. That's the realization and the characteristics, you know, where our life begins to move in the direction, when we begin to live out Matthew, the fifth chapter, or, or even if we do mess up. John says, little children, I write these things to you that you know that because, so that you may not sin, and if you do sin, what? We have an advocate. We need to understand the characteristic of that advocate that John is writing about, and when we do, that's when we begin to live according to the characteristics and the principles, when we truly get that. And Paul tells us it's important that we do because he just didn't prepare, he, did, he just didn't prepare glory for us instead of destruction. No, no. He has made preparations for each and every one of our lives. He has given, given us a specific job, a, a, a specific responsibility for him in his kingdom. Because he loves us so much, he wants us to take part. And when we take part, you know what? We grow in him. We grow in him and our relationship grows. You know what that is right there? He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He did it for us. So we can feel special. We can see his word growing inside of our life. That preparation. We can see that progression. He did that for us because he wants our faith to be increased. That's how much he loves us. Everything can be tied back to his love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Father, we ask that when we walk out into week, this week, God, we ask for the correct guidance. We ask that your spirit lead us, guide us, direct us, God, protect us, empower us, but correctly. Give us direction. So not only can we walk and strengthen our relationship, but that we can be a light. You know, let us, never, let us never take for granted the understanding of what that advocate to the Father truly means. Let us give us that deeper understanding of, of rich love through a relationship that you have designed and destined for each and every one of us out of complete love. You have given us each jobs to where we can fulfill that destiny so that not only can we be accepted, 
but so that we can realize it, so that we can see your word coming to fruition in each and every one of our lives. You did all that for us just so that we would realize your characteristics and how much you love us. So, Father, I ask for complete guidance as we walk out into this into this week so that we can be honorable servants of you, display the true characteristics that you have designed and destined for your children. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for, for that peace that passes all understanding. When we might be confused and we might not know what's going on around us, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we know one who has purpose for all things and that is with us each and every day because through that progression in our life, we have seen his hand in it. And he cares for us more than we can even fathom. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.